From Troy Public Radio, this is In Focus Weekend, and I'm Carolyn Hutchison. The sounds you're hearing are from ruby-throated hummingbirds, recorded by WKU-PBS in the fall of 2015. The hummingbirds were busy at the feeder at the Woodlands Nature Station in the land between the lakes in western Kentucky. So today, we're bringing you a conversation about ruby-throated hummingbirds with Sarah Driver, master hummingbird bander who moved to Dothan from the Missouri Ozarks. Soon, the hummingbird lady, as she is known, will be banding hummingbirds at Dothan Area Botanical Gardens. And she joins us by Skype to tell us about her special techniques. Sarah Driver, it is great to have you with us here on Troy Public Radio's In Focus program by Skype from Dothan. Thank you, Carolyn. Good to be here. Sarah, you are a master hummingbird bander. What brought you to Dothan? We wanted to get away from cold winters, and we just opened up a map and stuck our finger down on Dothan and headed this direction. We knew nobody but we thought Dothan looked like a great town. So what did you think when you got there? We still really love it. It's got everything you need, and we love the weather, and so we're very happy. You have quite a history of becoming a master hummingbird bander. You learned from your uncle. Tell us that story. It was actually my great uncle, and he became a hummingbird bander back in the 60s. He was one of the first hummingbird banders that was not an ornithologist. He lived in the Ozark Mountains down in southwest Missouri, and he had loads of ruby throats, and he was so enthralled with them, and he asked the bird banding laboratory if he could learn how to band them and get a license. And they, of course, laughed and said, how are you going to catch them? And he sent them a picture of one perched on his finger, and that kind of changed their mind, and he ended up getting a license. Now, the way you bend hummingbirds may be a little different from what we've heard previously. For instance, your trap is shaped like a circus tent. Tell me about your trap. (laughs) Yeah, originally, when I first learned how to bend with my great uncle, we used traps that were made in a cylinder shape, and they were made out of hardware cloth, and they had a stop on one end and a trap door on the other. And the birds were always very hesitant to go in that because it was just a scary little hole they had to fly into. So my brother designed this circus tent trap, and it really looks like a circus tent. It is covered in fine netting, and it has sides that go up and down. You can control them. And you hang a feeder in the center, and you're holding the sides up with a piece of fishing line until the bird goes in sits on the feeder, puts its bill down, and starts drinking, and then you drop the sides. Then you've got a hummingbird. So how did you decide to put the little hummingbirds in a nightshirt? (laughs) You know, when you first become a bander, all you get from the bird banding laboratory is a sheet of bands. They just give you the bands and say, have fun, learn how to trap them, how to keep them Still, when you're banding them, just do it yourself. And so we had to come up with something. And this little piece of cloth with a hole in the center works great because you put it over the bird's head and then you can fold it around their little body while their wings are down. 
and reach their feet and get to that little ankle where you're going to put that band. So how do they react when you put the nightshirt on these hummingbirds? Well, they're not really thrilled. People worry that this stresses them so much. And I have had the same hummingbird come back into the trap 10 minutes after I banded it. So it's not that much of a stress. You know, their little hearts are beating fast and and they're ready to get that band on, that new piece of jewelry and get the heck out and get back to feeding at that feeder. Well, Sarah, you have described banding a hummingbird as like banding a toothpick. They're tiny little legs. How do you do that? That's probably the one thing that terrified me the most when I first started learning how to band back in 1986. You have to learn how to handle them because they're fragile. And then you've got that tiny little leg that you've got to put a band on and make sure that it's closed entirely and that it turns on their legs so that it doesn't cut off their circulation. And it's just learning how to handle them. And their leg does feel like a toothpick. It's so tiny. But we have special pliers that crimp the band around their leg, and they crimp it in a round shape. And we just make sure that that band turns. You just learn after so many times. And, of course, you're studying them for scientific purposes. Well, here we are on August the 1st, and on the 12th and also September the 9th, these are second Saturdays, people can watch you band hummingbirds at the Dothan Area Botanical Gardens. Tell me what they'll see. The first thing we'll do is we'll have the trap set up, and they can all see what the circus tent looks like. I have a slideshow, and we'll go through the slides talking while somebody else is manning the trap. That person is responsible to capture the birds. When they do, I stop the program, go out and get the bird out of the trap and bring it inside, which is kind of scary because I have had them get loose before inside buildings, but we always manage to capture them again. So the people get to see the bird close up, and then we have a child help to release the bird after it's been banded, and that is the high point of the program right there. Have you found that these birds have different personalities? Oh, my. Some of them, their mothers have just trained them so well. They're just so well-mannered, and they're totally quiet, and yet others are squawking the whole time, and they're all different. One bird will be just perfect. The next one will just be a a basket case. So they're all different. You will be banding at 10 a.m. at the Walden Farmhouse on August 12th and September 9th at the Dothan Area Botanical Gardens on Headland Avenue. There is nothing more magical in my mind than a hummingbird because no other bird flies like them or looks like them. And people just love them. It's a subject that they never get tired of. People love to see them up close. You watched your great uncle, James Johnson, band these hummers in Missouri. What age were you when you fell in love with them? (laughs) He had me at his house when I was nine years old, which I hate to say was 1962. And he had me finger perching them, which by the way, anyone can do. You just have to have patience and you sit in front of a feeder, and you put your finger right next to the feeder, and they will sit right on your finger to get to that sugar water. 
And I think that's what did it to me right then. What are your recommendations on hummingbird feeders? What proportion water to sugar? It's four to one, a cup of water to a quarter cup of sugar. I do not boil my water. I just use hot water and dissolve the sugar in it. Then I refrigerate it and change those feeders every third day because the sugar water will ferment and get slick and the hummingbirds will go to your neighbor's feeders if you don't take care of them. But keep them clean, give the best possible sugar water to them so that they remember my house and they come back to me. Some people think you can substitute, oh, put brown sugar in or you can put sweet and low in. You know, that's crazy. You just use regular white sugar and never honey because that causes a fungus that can kill them. Well, Sarah, it's been an absolute delight to visit with you and find out how you banned hummingbirds. Thanks. Good to talk to you, Carolyn. Joining us by Skype was Sarah Driver, master hummingbird bander, who will be banding hummingbirds at Dothan Area Botanical Gardens on August 12th and September 9th. Registration is limited, and more information can be found on the garden's Facebook page or website, dabg.com. Coming up, G's Bend, Alabama is famous for its quilters. We'll check in with Carol King at Old Alabama Town about the quilt exhibit. That's ahead on In Focus Weekend, so stay with us. From Troy Public Radio, this is In Focus Weekend, and I'm Carolyn Hutchison. G's Bend in Wilcox County, Alabama, is famous for its quilters. Old Alabama Town in Montgomery is featuring an exhibit of G's Bend quilts. And Landmarks Foundation curator Carol King joins us by Skype with the stories behind the quilts. Carol King, thank you so much for joining us by Skype from Old Alabama Town. It's great to be here today, and we've got lots going on. Old Alabama Town is hosting a beautiful quilt exhibit. We've got them down in Lucas Tavern. That's now our entrance to Old Alabama Town, where people begin their tour of our area. The exhibit's called Common Threads, Celebration of Alabama Quilts. It's a small exhibit, but it's really very powerful. The exhibit was commissioned by the Alabama Folklife Association right before the pandemic to commemorate the bicentennial that we were all getting prepared for in 2019, 200 years birthday for the state of Alabama. So they approached a handful of different notable quilt makers from the Black Belt area about producing something that made them feel Alabama as their home, that type of thing, and gave them freedom to produce whatever within their genre as quilt makers. So they actually came up with six quilts. Two or three work together, which is really interesting to see them merge their creative spirits together to produce these. And several of the quilts in the center medallion is the state of Alabama. 
Carol, that was a surprising element to see the state of Alabama in two of those quilts. What was the story behind that? Well, I believe since they were commissioned, especially for the bicentennial, that was part of their task. Several of them really took it to heart and did a great job of using the state outline as a center medallion in their quilts. And then there's actually another one that's a little bit hidden. It's made of the noted uh, G's Bend corduroy. And it's a great big state outline and then some stripes in different corduroy. But each of the quilters use their own creative expression to actually tell the state of Alabama happy birthday. And Carol, there is a quilt in the collection called the Moselle Benson Legacy Quilt. This represents five generations. How did that quilt come together? It's a really wonderful celebration of Moselle Benson, who was a National Endowment of the Arts National Heritage Fellow in 2001. And this quilt was made as a legacy, as a commemorative honoring her mother by Sylvia Stevens, her daughter. Sylvia became a quilt maker later in life. She actually attended with her mother in Washington this celebration when her mother was honored as a National Heritage Fellow. And Sylvia started thinking she'd never made a quilt. You know, she asked her mom, you know, I want to make a quilt. I want you to teach me. So since that particular time until the end of her mother's life, she documented her mother's quilting style and learned how to do it and then pass it on to others. So this quilt that Sylvia did is an interesting modern quilt of images of things that have to do with Moselle, her mom, pictures of quilts her mom made, pictures of articles that were written about her mom. There were several books written about her mom, awards she won. This particular quilt is just sort of an ongoing story, keeping her mother's legacy alive. And speaking of Sylvia, I noticed that she herself did the Alabama soil quilt, and that put the state of Alabama on this quilt as well as one of the others in the collection. But that soil quilt is so interesting, Carol, because it has the earth tones and yet the geometric style that the G's Ben quilters always seem to use. Right, those horizontal and vertical strip quilt but it's very handsome in, in all the different tones of brown and gold. And she used the different soils in Alabama to produce those colors. We have such rich agricultural soil and uh, riverbanks. So that's the way that Sylvia wanted to celebrate the birthday for the state of Alabama as well. So we've got several different kinds, sort of like a little bit of something for everybody. I like the G's Ben Monarch quilt. That was Claudia Petway and Tinny and many Petway, all relatives, mom and daughter and then her auntie, it's got monarch butterflies, what they've seen on the banks down there of the Alabama River in G's Bend. What is the story behind the Petway name? Well, the Petways, as in a lot of situations after emancipation in 1865, the enslaved who were then freed, they took a last name of the plantation owner that they had been with in some instances. And so Petway was the name of the main plantation owner in that G's Bend area. So a lot of those enslaved who were then free added that to the end of their single names. But that doesn't mean they're actually related to each other since they have the same last name. That just means that they all came from around the same area. So that's why you do see, especially in the quilting community, 
either at G-Spin or around the state. You see so many pet ways because this was such a quilting tradition down there on the bend. Well, let me ask you as curator, these geometric style designs, does that come from their African heritage? There's lots of theories on that. Some people would say yes. Some people say there again, it's learned within the community as well. You know, once it got in the community, it became the standard. And the particular quilt in the exhibit that we have, the past and present quilt by Loretta Petway Bennett, that's the one that is the corduroy. She's using the bright colors, but she's using the patterning that you see a lot in the G's Bend ladies called housetops. It's sort of a stair-stepping, square-off kind of thing, but she's really let it bloom. I mean, it just pops out in this particular quilt. The other ladies were using the strip method or the square method. They're a little more geometric. And although this is geometric, Loretta put it in the stair-step thing that you see a lot of all the different ladies use throughout their work as well. Not only was it the color that they pass down to each other in the traditional quilt making, but it's also the patterning, too, and the stitching. So, Carol, how long is the exhibit, Common Threads, a celebration of Alabama quilts, going to be at Old Alabama Town Lucas Tavern? We'll actually have the exhibit up until September the 2nd, which is a Saturday, and it gets, you know, the legacy of what's happening down at G's Bend so that folks can see it. And, of course, G's Bend is located in Wilcox County. As we face the fall, do you have any special things going on at Old Alabama Town coming up, say, in September? In September, we have an awesome new festival that we're starting. Um, We're partnering with the Lightning Line, which is a group here in Montgomery, uh, and we're going to be producing the first annual Montgomery Oyster Fest. You know, oysters are Alabama's best-kept secret, and so we're having this event where we have some of our area chefs that are going to be uh, demonstrating. There's going to be live music. We've got a local blues group called King Bee will be here. Uh, We're also going to have oyster shucking. And the winner of our oyster shucking contest will qualify for the Alabama Oyster Shucking Championship, which is an annual event at Fort Morgan. So this is a chance to to get to the big one at Fort Morgan. So the tickets are up. You can uh, buy them at our website, landmarksfoundation.com. Well, what a fun way to bring coastal Alabama into central Alabama at Old Alabama Town with a great new festival. I want to thank you for joining us today, Carol. It's been great visiting with you. It's been great to be here back again. I think we're all back on track with events. We're getting out, and once it cools down, we'll probably get out even more. Sounds great. Well, thanks for all the information about the Common Threads quilt exhibit and the upcoming Oyster Fest. Thanks for joining us. Well, thanks, Carolyn. Joining us by Skype was Landmarks Foundation curator Carol King. The Common Threads exhibit from G's Bend Quilters will be in Lucas Tavern at Montgomery's Old Alabama Town through September 2nd. More information can be found at the website landmarksfoundation.com. Thanks for listening. We hope you also enjoy In Focus weekdays over the noon hour. And if you're away from your radio, you can download In Focus on NPR One or wherever you get your podcasts. 
This is In Focus Weekend, and I'm Carolyn Hutchison, hoping your weekend is a great one. This is Troy Public Radio.